August 5th, 2022, in the first of the widest lines, it's four words onto the line. The Gemara begins with these words, Amar Rav, you see it? The first word on the line was Achaluhu, fourth word is Amar. Amar Rav, la ivre alma ele le David, Shmuel Amar le Moshe, Verbiohanan Amar le Moshe. A statement here in the Gemara, the debate is uh, for whom the world was created. La ivre alma. Who was the world, so to speak, in their merit created for? So first opinion, that of Rav is David. Second opinion, Moshe. And the Gemara says, Rabbi Yohanan, of course, bring us back to our issue, our person. Mashiach, that of Rabbi Yohanan. So let's uh, just give a, a very basic, I mean, obviously, to try to understand such a debate, for whom and whose merit was the world created, uh, is not a simple uh, thing to do, not a task that I'm certainly uh, geared up for. But just in terms of context within the Gemara, I can give a little bit logic and rationale to at least the first and second opinion, and in turn, give a little bit of a perspective, at least in my own eyes. The first opinion is that of David, right? As said, Rav says the world was created for David. This comes on the brinks of what we finished yesterday, that statement of, you know, said Rav Hillel, that in Mashiach Israel we lost our opportunity to be redeemed by Mashiach. So his opinion will return to hopefully today on Dafsaditeta Mudalef. Why? Because we lost it during the time period of Hizkiyah. I wonder if you pause over there as I did yesterday with you and you reflect on what the rabbis told us about Hizkiyah on Dafsadidalid. On Dafsadidalid, what the rabbis described Hizkiyah was he was the one about whom God wanted to bring Mashiach through him, right? And it was supposed to be Sanheriv who would be Gogu Magog. That's what the Gemara told us on Dafsadidalid. But we lost that opportunity because Hezgiyahu, in all his righteousness, had a blemish, had a flaw. What was that? Midat Hadin cried out in front of God, if David HaMelech was able to sing Shirot V'Kishpachot to you, and you didn't perform Nisim V'Niflaot, miracles and wonders, and this Hezgiyahu, whom you performed miracles and wonders for, he's not able to be thankful to you, he's not able to sing sing for you in that fashion? I wonder if that's the context then in our Gemara. We just mentioned Hezkiah, the lost opportunity of Mashiach from Hezkiah. You're supposed to pause for a second and reflect, I wonder. Say to yourself, oh, but wait a second, why, oh, we lost that opportunity because he wasn't, quote, like David. Well, that being the case, as says the Gemara then over here, uh, well, then says Rav, well, why was the world created? It was for individuals and realities like David. It's now underscoring that significance, the importance, as Rashi points out over here, of shirot and tishpachot to God, of the ability to sing and to be thankful with song to God, and that's the bedrock and foundation of existence of humanity, of a relationship with God. It's what Rashi, that I love to turn back to all the time, says in his commentary to Bereshit, when the Pasuk describes that God hadn't brought forth rain yet. He hadn't yet brought forth rain. There was no human being to work the ground. So as Rashi, there was no human being to notice the tova, the goodness of God, which means that at our core, what we're supposed to be as human beings is sentient beings who are able to turn to God and others and be thankful and have gratitude and understand our place 
as recipients to a certain extent. David was the one who exemplified that. That's station number one in terms of human existence. It's the ability to be thankful and recognize and be grateful for what you've been given, who you are, and what your place vis-a-vis God is. That's the first statement. Second statement is, but wait a second, is that where it ends? I mean, that's what Umot Nam have as well. They're able to sing songs, maybe not like David. They don't have the poetic uh, flow and prowess of David, but uh, ultimately speaking, is that it? Existence was just for that? Oh, we know. We were redeemed from Egypt. Bereshit, Bishvil Reshit, for the existence of Torah. That's the mention of Moshe. It says Rashi, Moshe was the Atid to bring the Torah to Israel. That's again the Rashi at the beginning of the Torah when he says Bereshit is Bishvil Reshit. It's for the world was, so to speak, created for the Torah. That's a level above and beyond just being thankful and having gratitude to God. That's that second opinion. They're not negating per se one, they're building one off of the other. And then the last opinion, Mashiach, in my opinion, I suggest that we bring it all together. Mashiach is a time period during which not there won't be distinction, but ultimately speaking, the description is, it'll be a worldwide phenomenon wherein there's a recognition and, a, and, a, and an understanding of the significance of God in our life, which means not that Umot Ha'olam will be the same as Yisrael, but there'll be an elevated level to them. That's the third stage, that, that last year. So the first one is the basic recognition. You're a child and you're growing up in the household and you're able to be grateful for what you've been given. That's a first stage of maturity. The second stage is what's the values of the household. That's the Torah description. That's... That's the Moshe description of this creation of the world. The last and the third over here is, uh, well, uh, is that where it ends? Or does it end with that being spread and proliferating to others? Does it stay in your own household? Or is this something that becomes a communal and national endeavor? And in the Gemara, I'm suggesting an international endeavor. That's the days of Mashiach. Says the Gemara, Mashemo. Now, the Gemara is not actually, and you'll, this is easy to prove in just a moment, not actually questioning what the name of Mashiach is or will be. You'll see, the Gemara is going to play with the names of the individuals who are speaking and saying, well, maybe it's our name, maybe it's our name. What the Gemara, more than anything, is, is looking to do, as it has throughout, is to derive some sort of meaning through this conversation. So we take a conversation and we say, what's the name of Mashiach? You'll suggest the name and through that, suggest a certain aspect of how you understand what Melech HaMashiach is supposed to represent. You'll see as the Gemara does it. Dever Bishila, pay attention. The Bet Midrash of Shila. They suggest that the name of Mashiach, conveniently, Rashi says, purposefully, said, Amre Shiloh. Well, their name was, their rabbi's name was Shilah. They said, Mashiach, of course, his name is going to be Shiloh. Not that they were biased, but they're, they're focused on an aspect of that word Shiloh. What is that? Shine Emar, as the Pasuk says, Ad Kiyavo Shiloh. So the Pasuk says, Lo Yasur, in the, in the context of Yaakov's blessing to Yaakov, to Yehuda, Lo Yasur Shevet Mi Yehuda. Description is he's going to be he's, have the strength. Yehuda will be the monarchy, the ruler, the governance. Ad velo amim until and the understanding of of Deveshila is shilo. The name of Mashiach will come velo amim and then he'll overtake not just his brothers and the nation of Israel 
but the entirety of the world. So Shiloh is the name, and it's envisioning Yomot HaMashiach is a time of monarchy and proliferating that strength over the world. Dever Biyanai, pay attention, what's the name of the rabbi? Yanai Amre Yinon. Wow, very similar to Yanai. Yinon. So they envision the name of Mashiach being Yinon. Yinon Shinmo Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, Yihi Shemo Le'olam Lifne Shemesh Yinon Shemo. His name should be eternal before the sun. His name is Yinon. What's before the sun? Says Rashi, citing from the Gemara Masechet Pesachim, that maybe the rabbis are sharing their concepts from elsewhere. The Gemara Masechet Pesachim and Daf Nundalit has seven things being created or brought forth in the mind, quote, unquote, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu before creation. One of them is Shemo Shel Mashiach. Shemo Shel Mashiach, the name of Mashiach. Well, if that's before the creation of the sun, that's the description here in the Pasuk. Lifnei Shemesh, before the sun, his name was existent. Who's that? Yinon. Who's Yinon? Mashiach. It's envisioning Mashiach as something that was always embedded within existence and just us living through the process and seeing it manifest itself. Dever bihanina. Can you imagine? Can you, can, you, can you guess for a second what their suggestion will be with the name of Mashiach? Amar. What did they say? Hanina shemo. It's not even Shiloh instead of Shilah. It's not Yinon instead of Yanai. It's direct. Hanina. The understanding that they have in this Pasuk is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is expressing until I give you Hanina, the name of a person. Instead of seeing that as the attribute of Hanun, of, uh, of compassion, they see it as an individual, that's Mashiach. He'll be the embodiment uh, of some sort of hanina, of uh, compassion. Menachem ben Or alternatively, along the same lines, just instead of hanina, Menachem ben Hizkiah. What's the pasuk that they point to? Shene'emar, as they point to this pasuk in Echa, the pasuk says, Kirahak mimeni menachem meshiv nafshi. Then distance from me, this menachem meshiv nafshi. What's with the Ben Chizkiah? Who said that's the son of Chizkiah? Marsha says this is some sort of ancient tradition of the Hachamim. This Menachem that we're referring to is in some way related to the nature or the biological nature of Chizkiah Melech Amre. Hachamim suggested instead Chivara Dever Bishimo. His name is the Mesora, the leper of the Bet Midrash. The leper? Why the leper? Shene Emar. As the Pasuk says, the famous Perek in Yeshaya, Perek Nun Gimal, Achen holayenu hu nasa, umachovenu sevalam, vaanachnu hashavnu hu nahua muke Elohim, um unne. So the Pasuk in, in, in Yeshaya, Perek Nun Gimal, is really is describing in its simplest iteration, as the Gemara is understanding it, an individual, Mashiach, that's what it describes. Listen to the description. It's an individual who will be pained and tortured and suffering. Physical is a disaster for this guy. Oh, but not only is it a disaster, listen to what this Perek did to us historically. Christians pointed to Yeshayahu Perek Nungimal historically and said, there's the proof for our Lord being the Messiah. We got in a lot of trouble for Yeshayahu Perek Nungimal, and as a result, for several hundred years, you would not find a commentator 
on a classic commentator on Sefer Yeshayahu who would interpret Perek Nun Gimel in the literal sense. They would always interpret it as a national experience. Instead of the simple interpretation as an individual, as the Gemara is over here, that you're dealing maybe even with the physical ailments of, an indiv- of, a, of a person who's going to redeem, uh, but the Christians pointed to that as how we're wrong and how they're right. We therefore moved away from a simple interpretation of text and turned it into a national experience of sorts, I've once told the story, I was crossing the street in Washington Heights and there was an old Spanish lady crossing the street and I helped her with her shopping cart and she whispered in my ear, I couldn't understand it initially, Isaiah 53. This is the, uh, this is the cry and at, the time, at that time or at some time afterwards, the city buses had on it, Isaiah 53, read the prophecy. These pesukim have been very difficult pesukim for us in our national experience for many reasons, specifically Christianity. But again, the, the description here brings us back to, by the way, the description that we saw one or two days ago with regards to what does Mashiach look like? Where is he? He's on the gates of Bavel, Gan Eden Bavel, and he's, he's, has, he's, he's got all those wounds, and he's opening his bandages and closing them. We were focused then on the, on the speed of Mashiach, the haste of his arrival, but listen to the description in turn from Yeshayahu. It's envisioning him as embodying, and th- this, oh, that's right, it's kind of bringing things together between, quote, the simple interpretation of those Pesukim and the, and, the, and, the, and the larger perspective. That's who it is. It's we as a broken people. Amar Rav Nachman, says Rav Nachman, i min hayahu. If uh, Mashiach is similar to someone who's alive now, kigon ana, he'll be like me. Wow. That's Rav Nachman's statement. Scription seems to be one who will uh, emanate from monarchy. Maharshat points out that Rav Nachman was married to the daughter of the Resh Galuta. Resh Galuta was the head exilarch, the head of the community in political sense in Bavel, and as a result, Rav Nachman had certain political prowess. He was connected to the monarchy in some respect. As a result, he says, you wonder who Melech Mashiach will be? He cites a pasuk, Melech Mashiach will have the strength of monarchy. Like me, he'll be like my family. Maybe he'll be, yeah, anyway. Amar Rav says, Rav, if Melech uh, HaMashiach will be like a living person, not so much me or even you, like Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi. Now, Rabbi Yehuda HaNasi happens to have been a very important political figure. Rashi points out as well, he was a pious person and he, was, he had cer- certain sufferings in his lifetime. That fits me- much of the narrative in the Navi and in the rabbis with regards to who we see as Melech HaMashiach, a righteous, pious person who has a certain suffering to him. If it's someone that we're going to compare to uh, an individual who's no longer alive, like Daniel, Daniel, says Rashi, was thrown into a gov arayot, thrown to, uh, to lions. He had a difficult life as well. He too stood apart and was righteous. Maybe Mashiach will in some way resemble him. I just want to pause one more time and state the description of Melech HaMashiach, his name and who he'll be like, less for us to stay up at night or awake during the day looking for that individual and pinpointing him and understanding, well, there's the donkey he'll ride on, more for us to envision 
who is it that will represent us? What do we want to live up to as an ideal, as a nation, to understand one another, understand who we could and should be? That's, I think, what's being debated through and through in the, in the Chachamim. Amarav Yehuda, Amarav, Atida Kadosh Baruch Hu, Leha'amid Lahem, Dor Acher, Sheneemar, excuse me, David Acher, Sheneemar, Ve'avedu et Adonai Elohehem, Ve'et David Malkam, Asher Akim Lahem. Hikim lo ne'emar, ela akim. The Pasuk describes how God is going to, God says, I'm going to place, I will place a David amongst you who will be in charge of you. Wait a second, he already did place a David. We had a king, his name was David. The fact that it says will place, there's going to be another David. That's right, David 2.0 will be that future king of ours. Amar le Rav Papa le Abaye, Rav Papa questions Abaye on this. Ve'haketiv, doesn't the Pasuk say, V'david Abdi nasi lahem le'olam? Doesn't the Pasuk seem to describe David as being the prince to them for eternity? It's the same David. It's not a new David. Don't give me 2.0. It's David, the original. Kegon, he answers, Kesar upalge Kesar. He said, that's right, there'll be the new David, and then there'll be the old David who'll be the lower-tiered ranking official. Uh, in truth, that what's that? That that's right. In truth, Rashi points out that the Pasuk describes him as Nasi, not as Melech, as the prince, not as the king. And as a result, that's right, okay, but David will still be around in some respect. David will still be powerful in some respect. But who's going to be the reigning supreme monarchy? The new David. How do I make sense of this? I don't fully, I don't fully have any of this, but something along the lines of a relative and relevant, rather, a leader for the generation. So we want someone to have and be imbued with the same character traits, the same name as David HaMelech, want him to be led by the mentorship of David HaMelech, but we want one who's still and uh, able to see eye to eye and the people with him, not only in revering him, but in being able to relate to him. That perhaps is the description of a new David while at the same time being governed together with the old David. Says the Gemara, but maybe I'm just biased on that. Darash Rav Rabbi Samlai, my dichtiv, what does it mean when the Pasuk says, Hoi hamitavim et yom Adonai, lamma ze lachem yom Adonai, hu choshech velo or. Pasuk, as it's being nidrash, describing Yomot HaMashiach, is why are you yearning for the day of God, meaning Yomot HaMashiach, as we're being Doreshet. It's going to be a day of darkness. Woe is to you that you're looking forward to. It's not going to be a day of light. You're going to be filled with darkness and difficulty and pain and suffering. It goes like this. Mashal, says the Gemara, letarnegol va'atalef. We can liken this to a chicken or a rooster and a bat. Well, what's the difference between those two? A tarnegol can see, and a bat, an atalef, cannot see. Shayu mitzapin le'or, they're staying up at night, or woke up early in the morning, and they're looking forward to the sunrise. Amar le tarnegol atalef, the tarnegol turns to the bat, to the atalef, and says, Ani mitzabel she'ora she'li, she'ora I'm looking forward to it, that's for me. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna start crowing at that time, but I can see, that's my time period. You, you have that bat-like ability to see at night, to be able to perceive, but daytime hurts you. The question is, what are you waiting for? That's the statement in turn 
of we'll bring it back to the Pasuk in a moment, that there was that heretic, probably a reference to a Christian, turning to the Bi'avahu who said to him, Ematai ate Mashiach, when's your Messiah coming? Amar le, the response of the Bi'avahu was, Lechi lehu hashocha lehanahu inshe, when darkness envelops those people. Rabbi Avau's response is, you know, I don't know when Mashiach will arrive. At a certain juncture, I'm not exactly certain, but I know there'll be darkness for all the scoffers, for all the naysayers, for all those who've gone off the beaten track. Amarle says the heretic, probably the Christian, to Rabbi Avau, Melat Kalaitli, are you cursing me? Do you want me to report you? I just asked you a simple question, innocuously, and you're now cursing me, saying that there's going to be darkness to me. Amar le says Rabbi Avau, no, I'm just reading a pasuk. Kera ketiv ki he cites a pasuk. Yeah, that's right. And I, I should have said eretz, right? Now we read that as a but the pasuk is darkness will envelop the world and only then will light come forth. So just piecing it all together, that brings us back to that first pasuk. The first pasuk describes how there cannot and will not only be light in Yomot HaMashiach, there'll be darkness which precedes and is coexistent with it. It's the bad and the Tarnigol, the Tarnigol and the Atalef. What does that mean for us? Well, first and foremost, I'll just demonstrate as I've, I've said on more than one occasion, Yisiyat Mitzrayim is preceded by darkness. Not only Makat Hoshit, Makat Arbe is V'chisayt uh, in Haaretz, V'lo Yuchalirot et Haaretz. It's a time of darkness. And then Makat Hoshech, of course, is absolute darkness. Makat Bechorot is It's an absolute and utter darkness as well. Only then do we exit and do we have an ability to see with greater clarity and precision what appears to be taking place historically in a vision for the future is that we have a tendency as human beings to only appreciate and understand when it's a light that comes forth and shines from within a darkness. If I'm just beaming light at you all the time, you don't understand what I'm saying to you, you don't understand my relationship with you, you're not able to appreciate who I am in your life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so too to Yisrael and to those who follow him says, listen, there'll need to be a certain darkening so that those who can parse away the darkness and see that light are those who actually enter into a genuine and authentic relationship. That's the description. It sounds, at first glance, at first mention, it sounds so terrible. You're going to have to knock down those in order to bring in the others. Alternatively, if you're going to genuinely establish something binding, it has to be preceded with a certain darkness which knocks out all the fake side of it and envisions us and those who are able to tap into the true light as those who see the real thing. Says the Gemara Tanya, we're going to have a lot of statements here with regards to how many years will be the, the, the monarchy, the reign of this Melech HaMashiach. What comes after Melech HaMashiach? Well, it never says explicitly. We don't really know. The vision, generally speaking, is that's when the period of Tehiyat HaMetim, of the resurrection of the dead, takes place. Uh, what are these numbers that we're going to cite? There are going to be a lot of them. Each one of them speaks to almost the same thing. They're all talking to a reset. 
Every single one of them. And you'll see it as we go. I'll, I'll mention it just very briefly as we see each one of them. So the first one is 40 years, and it's going to liken it to the 40 years in the desert. That's an easy one. 40 years in the desert was a reset for the nation, right? We left, we sinned, we needed a reset. 40 years. 40 is always a reset, a time for incubation of Moshe and Har Sinai, of the, the Noah and Mabul. 40 is that number. I'll be grabbed in a generation of 40 years. Although the Pasuk, as Rashi says, is speaking simply about Dor Hamidbar, the understanding is it's Yemot HaMashiach as well. Not so much as of a stretch as I conceptually described the Turabili. El Azad ben Azar Shiv'im shana, shene'emar v'aya b'ayom ahu, v'nishka hatsur shiv'im shana, ki me melech echad ezu melech miuhad heve omer, zem mashiach. It's a 70 year time period, and the 70 year time period, not too hard to envision either. It's the first time we had exile, it was that 70 years, so the way you're gonna, so to, you're gonna so to speak, redo this is with the 70 years of reigning of mashiach, and resetting this. Rabbi Omer Sheloshad Dorot. There'll be three generations. Shene Emar Yira Uchaim Shamesh Vilifne Yareh Dor Dorim. The Derasha is Dor is one generation, Dorim is two generations. One plus two is three. What's with three generations as opposed to one or two? Just have a reset with one or two. As the Huta Mishulash Lobim Herayinatek, the idea of a certain strength in the eyes of the rabbis, uh, biologically speaking, is when there's three that bind something together, that triangular um, uh, force is something. Thing that gives alert certain strength. If you're going to redo this, you're going to actually have to flush it all out and then build something new. So you're going to have something significant that king who's going to reign supremely, have him reign supremely, and then reset the world into this Tehiyata Metim generation. Rabbi Hilel Omer. That's the Rabbi Hilel we finished the Gemara with yesterday. What's his almost heretical statement? En lahem Mashiach li Israel. Uli. Again, his statement is there will be no Mashiach li Israel. Shekavar achaluhu biyemeh Hiskiah. They already ate up that merit in the days of Hiskiah. Amar Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef responds to Rabbi Hillel. Shara leh mareh. His master, meaning Bore Olam, should forgive him for such a statement, Rabbi Hillel. So Rav Yosef is going to respond with a textual uh, rebuttal. We'll have to talk about it theologically in a moment. But he says, when was Hizkiyahu the king? In the first Beit HaMikdash. We have a specific prophet whose name was Zechariah, not the one we were mentioning earlier from first Bayit, but from Bayit Sheni, Zechariah. Ve'amar, and his derasha, Zechariah ben Berechiah, goes as follows. Gili me'od, batzion, hari, batzion, hine malkech yavolach, sadik venoshahu, ani verochev al hamor ve'al ha'ayir ben atonot. The prophecy of Zechariah from second Beit HaMikdash is, Rejoice, look forward to redemption. Wait a second, Hiskiah is first Beit HaMikdash. You're telling me you lost opportunity for Mashiach after Zechariah can't, after uh, Hiskiah can't be. Zechariah the prophet in the time of second Beit HaMikdash is prophesying about a future redemption from Mashiach. That's his rebuttal of Rabbi Hillel and the Gemara leaves it at that. But wait a second, Rabbi Hillel, his name is Rabbi. His name is not heretic uh, Hillel. How could you have such a statement? How could you, you're really scoffing at the entity of Mashiach? Suggests Rashi, 
on the right hand side of the page. Rashi's interpretation to this goes as follows. Not that he's negating redemption, not that he's opposed to Geula, it's that there won't be a human redeemer. It's that we won't have a necessity for a human being to be that Messiah. Rather, HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do it on his own. That's how Rashi reads Rabbi Hilel. So again, it's a little bit difficult on two, on two levels. Number one, we lost the merit in the days of Hiskiah. The merit would be to have it with a human being instead of straight uh, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. All right, we could deal with that. Secondly, the Derasha, we never really answered that of Rav Yosef. Uh, Rabbeinu David, Rabbeinu David Bonfil is a, a student of Ramban. His commentary to the Gemara over here instead suggests maybe Rabbi Hillel is only negating not the entity of Mashiach, but the description of all the Nisim Viniflaot, the wonders and, 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 uh, uh, and miracles that will take place as Mashiach redeems us. That's what he's negating. The entity of Mashiach, he never, he never went against. The pasuk that Rav Yosef negates him with is describing all that he's going to bring forth in the positive sense. It's not moving away from Geula per se, not even from Mashiach, just from the particulars of the Navi. Lastly, and most interestingly, uh, Rabbi Yosef Albo, who's the author of a book called Sefer Ha'ikarim. Sefer Ha'ikarim is a response to Harambam. Harambam, in his introduction to our Perik, Perik Helik, sets forth his famous 13 principles of faith. One of them is the coming of Mashiach. Rabbi Yosef Albo disagrees. He doesn't think there are 13. He's got all sorts of discussions and conversations. Not that he thinks they're wrong, but he has difficulty accepting that all 13 are the absolute quantification of that's how you merit Olam Haba. That's how you merit a part of Yisrael, uh, so to speak. And in his discussion, he famously addresses this opinion of Rabbi Hillel. And he says, you see Rabbi Hillel? He didn't accept Mashiach. Quite simply. That's right. He didn't accept Mashiach. And nonetheless, as I said earlier, he's Rabbi. He's in our Gemara. He accepted maybe three or four primary foundational aspects. The acceptance of God's oneness of the Torah and so forth. However, these other, I don't want to call peripheral, but I'll mention it peripheral in this context, fundamentals of faith, need not be a part of what determines Yisrael. There can and will be debate about them. Rabbi David Ben Zimra, Radvaz, and Eshe'eloto Teshubot has a similar approach to this matter. It's a question that opens up all sorts of difficult Pandora box realities for a person who understands these 13 principles of faith of Harambam. An individual's name is Mark Shapiro. He wrote a book called The Limits of Jewish Theology. And in it, he describes throughout the generations all the different opinions that have arisen with regards to these principles of faith of Harambam. Have they always been? Will they always be canonized to the extent that we say, oh, you're a heretic if you don't accept it? One of the primary sources, earliest you can point to, is this opinion of Rabbi Hillel. I caution you to, to, to do so, though, because I remind you, Rashi didn't interpret it that way. Rabbeinu David didn't interpret that way. Yad Ramar Bimeir Abu Lafia didn't. I'm not saying there isn't grounds to stand on. I'm just saying it was never, appears to me, the mainstream opinion, but to suggest that if you're, let's say like that, you're completely out of it. No, that was never the reality, it appears, either. Says the Gemara onward, Tanya Ida. No, excuse me, thank you. There's a good question who this is. I once read that there's a book that says there's a possibility it's one of 14 different 
Rabbi Hillel's. It's not a Beraita. It's not Hillel. Hillel would be from the time of the Mishnah. This is a Tana who's speaking with Rav Yosef. That's a later generation Emora. Again, I, you know, if it was Hillel, it would get us all more excited. I, you, know, you see who you have in there. But no, it's, it's, it's not Hillel Hazakin. It's not the Betile. It's a grandson of Rabbi, which is late, which is which is Emoraim already. That's what they suggest in there. Yes. Uh, right. All right. Well, that's a great descendant. Much later. All right. As I recall, we'll try to find that there are fourteen possibilities for who it is. But all right, I'll take art school on that one. The point is, he's an Emorai. He's not from the time of the Mishnah. I, I understand. No, I'm not going to put it inside. This is commentary. Says the, and I respect art school. Tanya Idah, another Beraita, says the Gemara. Rabili Ezer Omer Yemotam Mashiach. We're back to that discussion. How many years will be the the, the reign of Mashiach? Again, the, the mention of it is more for the concept than for the literal interpretation. Arba'im shana, Rabili Ezer Arba'im shana. That's what we saw already. But this time, a different pasuk. Ketivacha, on the one hand, the pasuk says, Vaya'annecha, vaya'ivecha. The pasuk in Sefer Devarim says that God, vaya'annecha, he tortured you in some way. Vaya'ivecha, he starved you. Of course, the pasuk goes on to say, and he gave you the man. So, so to say, he brought you into starvation, and then he gave you food. But the pasuk says, And then the pasuk says, seemingly in the context of Give us happiness like the years of our torture and suffering. How many years of torture and suffering in the desert when we were starved but got the man? Forty, of course. God, give us that happiness to rejoice. Uh, commensurate to that, that's 40 years. What's the idea? The idea, I believe, through all of these is that's the reset button. The 40 years of the desert was the reset time period. Uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, Allah Vashalom, calls it a liminal space. It was a period during which we were able to transition from one stage to the next stage. It's the adolescence period. That's the description of Yamata Mashiach. We sometimes have this tendency to imagine Yamata Mashiach is the end all, that's what we want to be. No, it's just a stage. It's a stage till the world and existence gets to the next stage. Shenot Rainurar. Bidose Omer Arba Meochana. It's 400 years. Pasuk says, Pasuk describes in Berit ben Abitarim, we're going to be tortured and suffered, and we're going to suffer in Egypt for 400 years. Incubation, transition, adolescence is not always uh, pleasant, it's painful, 400 years of servitude so I can redeem you and take you out. Reset button, maturity time period. Again, let us rejoice, give us that ability to have happiness, commensurate to the years of our torturing and suffering, the 400 years of servitude in Egypt, much like the 40 years in the desert, were in the larger scheme of things, a transitional necessary stage for us, as William Otamashiach. The promise was 400. I thought you subscribed to the words of the rabbis, Jesse. The ra- words of the rabbis, they always work to determine how there was a fulfillment of the 400 years, even if the only word, years of you know, toil and labor were 210, there was still 400. Yeah. Says, I'm just smiling as I said. It says the Gemara, Rabbi Omer, Shelosh Mot Veshishim Vahameshana, 365. Commensurate to the days of a solar year. Easy to envision that as a reset. It's an actual year. How does he textualize that? Sheneemar, Kiyom Nakam Belibi Ushnat Geuli Ba'a. 
the Dirasha as Rashi interprets it is, the first part is Kiyom Nakam Bilibi, a day was my revenge, a day, the Pasuk says in Parashat Shelach, for each one of the days of the 40 of the Miragilim, they got a year in the desert, Ushnat Geuli Ba'a, and my Geula will be a year. So just like there was a day for a year for each one of those days of the Miragilim, for my Geula, it'll take a year for me to pull this off. I need a year for my monarchy of Melech HaMashiach. Says the Gemara, let me just finish with one last thing. Uh, okay, we'll, we'll pause over there. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.